Welcome to Business Matters with host Rob Capello, a podcast where we open the conversation on what matters for business. We would like to thank your sponsor, Valley First Credit Union, a member-owned financial cooperative serving the Okanagan, Similkameen, and Thompson. They offer a wide range of banking and investment services for individuals and families. Valley First also has a talented business and commercial team to provide the expertise, products, and services local businesses need to grow and thrive. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Business Matters, presented by Valley First, a division of First West Credit Union. My name is Rob Capello. I'm the VP Business Development Now Media Group. Today, we welcome Kelly Sherman to Business Matter. Kelly is the president and CEO of Ecora Engineering and Resource Group, an engineering, environment, and natural resource consulting company. Kelly, thanks for joining me today and really look forward to our discussion. Thanks for having me, Rob. So um, a little bit of a preamble. So 2020 was obviously a, a year of a lot of change. Um, but with all the uncertain times, one thing that I think that kind of remained critical is, you know, making sure that you have really good company culture. And I think maybe now more than ever, where a lot of companies are moving to remote, remote workforce, that's even more important now than it's ever been. But when I talk about culture, it's more than, you know, I always make the joke, it's not the ping pong tables and the extra vacation days and happy hours. There's more to it than just that, right? So, it, but it also shows that a positive company culture is not easy and, it, and it's, it, but it really defines the way that, you know, your how you do business, how your uh, um, staff interacts with others, how they interact with your with your customers as well. And, and from a customer perspective, I think that it allows, culture allows them to see how people, how you do business instead of just looking at your products or services more than that. So, but I think we all know that positive company culture does drive success. And a lot of people are listening, probably going, what does company culture and Kelly and Acora have to do with it? But the, the, for those that know you and know your company, they understand how important culture is for you guys. And, and as I was doing my research, one thing I saw, which I thought was funny is that you're a company with no employees. Obviously caught my attention. I'm like, pardon? what you mean is that you have 180 team members, not employees. And, and <laughs> 70 of them are actually sh own shares in the company. Um, so for you guys, I'm curious, where did that focus on culture come from? Like, how did that, is that something you've had embedded right from day one or was it something you kind of grew into? Well, I, I think key to culture is, I mean, every business is a people business, right? Whether it's relationships with clients or relationships with your, your team. Right. And, and I mean, when I look at that team culture piece, I mean, it's, it's a really important factor that we always try and keep our eyes on and make sure it's a, it's a top of mind priority for all of our leaders and all of our team members. So, and I do find like in our current situation right now, it's probably the most challenging period we've ever faced. We're trying to find ways to maintain that culture right. when you're tasked, you know, when you're, when you're basically remote. Right. So, you know, there's some technology solutions that help contribute to that, but it's, it has been uh, something we've really had to work at and, and sort of uh, pushed us a little bit, which is, you know, never a bad thing. As long as we do it better than everybody else, it still puts us in a good position, but it right. has, it, it is tough when you rely on being a very cool company and we've got an awesome group of people, but when we're not all together, you know, the team's meetings can, can go a ways, but you know, it's, it's uh, absolutely. Yeah. So what, what does, what does culture, cause a lot of time I hear the word company culture in, in, but what does it mean to you? Like, how, how do you make it part of like the core of what you guys do? Cause it, it means every, like I said, I, sometimes company culture, people read, you know, you see 
you know, ping pong tables and Google offices. And, and, and that's part of it. It's really not ultimately at the core of what it is. So what does it mean to you and how, how you guys make, you know, embedded into your team? Well, I think the key piece is when we talk about having a people first company. So if our core values, which are people, environment, relationships and community, the people first value is, is right. a big part of the priority. And one of the key pieces of that is actually choosing leaders who are people people. Right. So the key people is the people who are, are leading our teams are actually really good at helping develop people. And we quite often use the term of creating people who are the best version of themselves. Mm. Right. So understanding the unique attributes of individuals is absolutely key. Right. And I think the more people focus on the strengths, the more they exceed, the happier they are when people are winning, they're, they're happy. And then they're also providing better service for the clients. And the more we build a culture of that, the more they own their roles and that just everything trickles together and it just all comes together to deliver a really good product. And then you become a very attractive firm, which means we can now attract some excellent people who want to be part of that. So it, it, when it all comes together, it's, it's, it's super effective and, and that's kind of the key. And every, everybody wants to succeed and have a be part of something when they're becoming the best version of themselves. So I'd say it's probably the best way to capture the concept. I love that, be the best version of you. I think that's a great, that's a great, or be best version of themselves. It's a great way to look at what culture should be. So um, before we go a little bit further, um, people that are listening and maybe, maybe not know what, uh, for not familiar with Ecora. So if you're not in the space, maybe they don't know what you do. So maybe give us the Coles notes of what you guys do. And I said earlier before we jumped on the call, I looked at your services and they're endless, but maybe give us the elevator speech on who Accora is and what you guys do. So the catch-all term I usually use is we basically offer all of the professional services related to any sort of development projects or environmental projects. So um, on the engineering front, we're civil, mechanical, structural, geotech, material testing, essentially the full gamut, planning, landscape architecture, urban design. Uh, we've got a strong environmental team that does environmental assessments, remediation, uh, and then we also have a, uh, a forestry team. And, and the forestry stuff, it's a unique service offering where we do strategic level sort of forest estate modeling and we issue those services all around the world. Oh, and okay. before I totally leave culture, I will say we do have the foosball table and we are, you know, we're getting a new <laughs> office and it's gonna have the ping pong table and all those things as well. But I agree with you that that's not the full yeah, depth of the culture bit. <laughs> that's hilarious. We will get back to culture. I just wanna let the audience know a little bit about what you guys do so we can get a little bit of a, but it's interesting because you mentioned sort of all those services and I was looking at services and they went on and on and you know, civil, geotechnical, structural, mechanical, engineer, environmental assessment, forestry, and so forth. And it's interesting because sometimes, you know, you look at businesses and they say, you know, do what you do and do it really well. Like focus on one thing. And, and obviously your, your models, and I know this is overused, is sort of that one-stop shop for what you guys are doing. What I'm more curious, because I don't think there's a right or wrong. I mean, we feel that's what we are as well, is how do you offer that high level of service in each of those areas and make sure there's quality in each other when you're doing so much? And this is the ironic part because I fully agree with that. Know what you do and do it well. What we do well is professional services. Mm. It, it's when we talk about leveraging talent, attracting strong people. And right. I would say key to offering any discipline is having an expert. And right. so you always have one key expert who is top of their field. And then you build around that person so that every service offering you do have 
you do very well. And, and we organize ourselves internally where expertise leads. So any particular discipline across any of our offices works together. So we have one structural engineering team and they might be located in all different locations. And there's one consistent product that comes out of there. And it's a very high quality and that the discipline lead is responsible for making sure that's the case. So that model applies to all of the service offerings. And if we don't have a core expert, we would basically come up with a partner and sub it out until we do, right? Got and in most yeah. of the service offerings we have, we're offering those services because our clients have asked us to. Right. Right. We're doing a development and someone doesn't have mechanical. You know, we actually bought a mechanical engineering firm because we had clients coming to us saying, look, we can't even get on the to-do list. Like we're so far behind Q and, and these other firms can't sort of uh, make us a priority. Can you guys offer mechanical? So now we buy a mechanical firm. And then what that provides is we can very quickly pull together eight different experts to help provide a solution for a particular client. Right, so having that close team of experts just provides so much better solutions when you're trying to help a client out. I could see it for the 100% the value from a client perspective, like you said, because now they're not having to go to 14 different providers or partners or they can work with you. And if you, like you said, I love that if you don't have it, you will find, you go find it or, or you can grow that way. So I, I definitely see the value in doing that. I'm gonna circle back to the uh, culture a little bit. Um, I, I read about sort of the, core core values and you mentioned people environment relationships and community one thing i thought was interesting it's it's sort of a guiding principle you guys use for work but also for personal lives and i thought that was really interesting that tie-in it's not just hey when you leave the office still have that you want people that live that to the core as well but two things on that how do you instill that to the team and i think you touched on a little bit about even more probably how do you how do you ensure that they're delivering on that like what sort of tools or mechanisms you have in place to say, oh, Rob is actually delivering on the four core values that we have. Yeah, and that's a, that's a super good point because um, right now it, we, we tend to attract people who live the values. We speak to the values all the time and it's part of their continual conversation right. we have with them. Uh, we make an effort to lead by example, by giving back to the community, by coaching, being on boards for nonprofits, things like that. Uh, but it has come up and as our work growing, you know, we've just recently had to assign value ambassadors, right, mm -hmm. for each of the core values. And then we need, now we're offering what we're calling perf awards, where when somebody lives a core, a core value, we celebrate that. You know, we give them some sort of bonus, whether it's time off or whatever, and then we have an award that they get, and then we celebrate it across the company so that people see that, you know, that that becomes very real for them. And so, and we're just moving into a new office on Enterprise, actually the old WorkSafe building. So okay. we're trying to build some of those features into it. Um, so when we were smaller, it was much easier because everybody knew us. So now as we're growing and we've got more offices, we just have to find ways to sort of make what you just said true where those, those values become a key part of, of who we are, both during work hours and after work hours in the community. Interesting. And is this been like, I'm, I'm curious where that comes from. Like the, the, not a lot of companies put so much focus on, on culture with you guys do. And like I said, I, I mean, uh, some, some try by doing like say extra holidays and stuff, but you guys, it's at the core. It's really at the core of your guys' company. Where did that come from? Is that something that you brought in to the team? You guys have sort of grown into it. You saw it, but like, how did, how did it all come about? I, I would say my, Personal experience has been that 
I worked for a company that I thought unintentionally did it very well. Mm. And they had a change in leadership. And that actually was when we started Ecora was when they, they went a direction and threw away a lot of the, a lot of the people side of the business. They didn't see the value in that. Right. And I was you know, a, a third largest shareholder of that company at the time. We ended up exiting and starting in Cora. Mm -hmm. uh, eventually, that mindset ended them, and I think it's also been part of our success. Mm -hmm. So that that sort of uh, lesson, I I guess you know, and it's something that I think rings true to all of us. I mean, who doesn't want to work at a place that really appreciates what they bring? Right. Right. But right. Uh, so that that just hit really hard home for me and and a lot of the, the sort of leaders of our team. So it's just been a core piece. And then when we have had, like, you know, we've got our, our, our team, uh, our people uh, person who, you know, yeah. most companies would call an HR person, yeah. right? And, and she's just phenomenal, right? It's Adrian Hodges and, and she's just excellent at sort of buying into that and all about the people and very approachable, but also really strong at sort of messaging and, and engaging and trying to find ways to have, that people first company become become real for everybody. Interesting. I'm, I'm curious on, um, like I could see as you're bringing a new team member in, it's almost easier to get them into the culture you have than having someone that's maybe been there for a while and now you're trying to bring them over into a new culture. And do you find, do you find that true, first of all, but, and you also find that cause you got, it's not just lip service, what you guys do in a culture, like you, you truly live it, is that you almost find like the team members, and this is maybe the right way of saying it, but manage people in or manage them out because they don't fit in. Like you don't have to even do it from a leadership team anymore because the, the actual core team will just do it. And it, that does tend to happen. Right. Right. So I would say, yeah, every year, I mean, we, we are all about growth. I mean, we went from four to 180 people in, in 11 years. However, wow. um, there every year there tends to be some people who drop out on not being in part of the culture. And yeah. part of our warranty yeah. is is that. So we have a warranty statement that we make to our to our clients and we have a, an internal value statement. But in that warranty, it basically says, we commit to members of our team who aren't sort of buying into the culture. Um, they won't be part of the team. And part of that, and, and the way we explain it to each other is if this stuff doesn't work, you know, and we also use it with some of the uh, ethnic diversity and, and other statements like that. Whereas if you, if you don't accept these values, right, there's lots of places for you to work. For sure. Right. And, and sometimes we encourage people and sometimes we'll say, look, you know, and sometimes they might have talents, but not ones that align. Right. And that, that happens. I mean, it's, it's not the best part, but I mean, for the most part, you know, we, we try and make sure that when someone joins the team, we already sort of do that cultural assessment. And, and most of the time they're a good fit. And how is it, how much of a difference or where do you see the difference on how now that you have such a unique culture or a strong culture, what does that mean to the customer? The end result, like what, what, what you know, can, can you actually pinpoint things that you're like, yeah, like that's, that happened because of how we run sort of at the core of who we are. 
Yeah, there's certainly a lot of examples of that. Um, we just did a uh, strategic marketing um, series with uh, strategy, Nucleus Strategies. Yeah, and yeah. they actually were calling our clients to find mm-hmm. out about um, some of the value propositions that came out of those meetings. Interesting. And he said he was blown away by the response from our clients about how much they saw how we do things differently. So it was actually quite reassuring to know that, you know, our team that are out in the field dealing with the clients are having really positive experiences from that because in a way, I mean, we talk about it and we, we encourage it and we believe it all happens, but it was very reassuring to hear in some disciplines, in some sectors, it was without exception, all of them came back sort of with those statements. So I was quite encouraged by that. That's excellent. You mentioned, I'm curious, who are, the, like, who are some of your, without naming names, like, what are some of the verticals or type of clients you guys would work with? Um, so one of the, one of the unique pieces we have, and it's only about 30% of the revenue, but we're really uniquely suited there, is we have a lot of very strong First Nation partnerships, right? And probably about 30 plus clients we have. Um, so that's kind of unique. And, and we kind of pride ourselves in sort of working very close and getting right into the communities and building really strong relationships. Right. Um, we also have, you know, all the, the government contracts. There's, there's lots of those. Ministry of Transportation is a, is a very good client. BC Hydro is a good client. Uh, Canfor is a good client. There's uh, mm-hmm. some international forestry firms that are very good. Uh, and then we also have lots of the local developers. Um, so both, right. I would say, Kelowna South in the South Okanagan. Uh, we are quite dominant, like we do most of the stuff in uh, sort of West Bank South. Right. Okay. So, and uh, a fair bit in Kelowna as well. But Kelowna, there's a lot of other firms as well. So, right. Right. But, so what so you, you mentioned sort of how far reaching are you? Like how many regions or areas are you guys in like office and actually doing work? Yeah. So offices wise, we've got BC covered for the most part. Okay. So we've got Vancouver, Surrey, Chilliwack, Penticton, Kelowna, Vernon, Prince George, uh, Prince Rupert. Now Prince Rupert currently doesn't have anybody in it, but we have an office there, and they and they've been it's been populated intermittently. Yeah. But uh, all the other offices, and then we have various people. We have four people on the island, just not okay. an office. Um, and then work-wise, we actually have a lot of international work, mostly in the environmental and forestry space. Right, which makes sense. Okay. Um, so how did you get in the industry? Like how did, how did, like what came about for you to get into it? And, and you kind of told the story a little bit on how you got into starting your own, but what's, what's before, what got you into the industry originally? So right out of university, I started consulting and I've okay. never not. Right. Okay. So I started off in a more of a forestry role and, you know, right. a, a very unique service offering, um, called forest inventory consulting. I went from there into ecology, into resource analysis. I, I jumped around to every service offering that company offered. And it was more because I found it very interesting and, and it really helped get a better understanding of the holistic view, right? And one of the unique pieces about that business is forestry, BC is very dominant. Right. right? And so at a very early age, because I got into strategic modeling, yeah. I was always sitting with high level decision makers, you know, a few years out of university because we were always providing technical support. At that point, it was almost like computer modeling. Mm-hmm. I was like a programmer pulling together right. all of these data sets and then providing decision support. Mm-hmm. Right. So I and I found it fascinating. So I always really liked that part. And then uh, while we were with that firm, 
uh, we really wanted to buy an engineering firm. And so I worked my way up eventually. I was a VP of client solutions, they called it. And, and we had an engineering firm we really wanted to buy. Um, they, they didn't really see the alignment. They didn't see that, you know, professional services is professional services. Right. And so when we went out, first thing we did was bought that one firm we were already looking at. Right. And then that's where the engineering piece came in. And that's sort of where the, so it actually came from an environmental perspective that we got into engineering. Interesting. And then in that case, we bought a, an engineering firm that offered civil and structural engineering. And then we start offering service to those clients. And then there were demands for geotech for all of our projects. Hmm. So then we hired geotech, right? And so that just went from there. So that's kind of my career has been jumping to a lot of the different disciplines because I just find it fascinating. And, you know, and so that's, yeah, that was my history before the business side. So you, you, you have knowledge across a lot of the services that you guys offer. So what does, curious, like what does your day-to-day -day look like now? Like, are you jumping in and out of all these? Or are you more sort of like a leadership from the, you know, you, you, you kind of guide the team or how, how, like, do you get your hands dirty into the services as well? So I did for quite a long time. Okay. And then now where I've kind of end up spending a lot of my time is sort of internally I will meet, you know, on a daily basis with our leadership team, yeah. just to sort of stay in touch with everything that's happening. And yeah. then I spend a lot of time with kind of relationships of, with large clients and providing sort of strategic Thanks. solutions, right? Like, you know, we had a big project with Kelowna Christian Center that right. would involve all of our services. I would, I spend a lot of time on that. We're looking at, you know, uh, Robert Louis Opus, which is the entire 80 acres around his house and how that whole master plan could go. Some First Nation partnerships. I sit on various boards, but most of it, I would say, are sort of relationships at that stage. And then I usually, when I go to a meeting, I'll have the most relevant technical expert with me as well. Okay. Right. So we got a really talented depth of, uh, of our team's very strong. And so depending on what is needed, I'll usually have one to two experts with me. And so it, it works out quite well. And then I'm trying to leave myself as open as possible to mm -hmm. our, our key clients so that they can call and the doors open for any feedback at any point, then I can help provide those sort of solutions. Makes sense. So, so you've been in industry for how long now? Yeah, almost 20 years? Is that? Yeah, I've been consulting for 23 years, actually. <laughs> So yeah. how does it change? I'm curious, always, always fascinated by how, you know, how has the industry evolved and from when you first started and sort of the second part of that is that um, has, how has technology changed the way that you guys are delivering your services? Um, technology has changed it significantly. Okay. So, I mean, in one of the pieces, I mean, one of our, our founding partners, um, actually the guy who started the Kelowna branch with even before we were at Cora. Okay. He's our chief technology officer, and he's tasked with sort of continually trying to keep us cutting edge technology mm -hmm. and making sure we're leveraging that well. Um, how the actual business has changed um, is kind of interesting because I've been growing with it as well. So my right. world's been changing at the same pace. But right. uh, uh, I, I do find at the core, it kind of hasn't. Mm -hmm. and, and the main reason I say that is because I do think it's about relationships. Mm -hmm. Right. So when you're out there, I mean, if, if as long my my core goal is to make sure everybody I do business with succeeds. 
right? Mm-hmm. And, and to make sure that, you know, my, my handshake deal is more valuable than the contract. And I think those kind of principles never change. No. Right? And, and then right. If, 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 I, if I'm looking out for their interests and I make sure that they do well and I'm a trusted advisor to them, then life is easy for both parties. Yeah. Right? Because as long as I'm looking out for their interests and they know I'm looking out for their interests, there's so many things they don't have to worry about anymore. So, so that's sort of core piece. And I, and I don't know that that'll ever change. Yeah. Well, it's, it's such a, a people, like you said, I mean, you said people first right from the start. So it's not just in your turn on your culture, it's with your customers as well. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you mentioned sort of your, you know, one of the, the core values is sort of the community supporting communities. And, and I was reading a few things where um, in 2018, 30 team members went to Guatemala purpose of installing stoves, upgrading orphanage, building a park, and then even read about, I think, in Penticton, where you guys were able to help put a plan together to deal with large piles of, uh, like, demolition, waste, and so forth. So uh, how important is that for you guys, like, to be really part of the community and give back and and, and really inter- ingrained into the community where you guys work? Yeah, no, it's super important. Uh, we actually just had a brainstorming session last week where we where we talk about our, our core why. Right. The core's why is to challenge the world at a local level mm-hmm. for future generations. And we talk about how do we do that, right? And both of those are examples of how we do that. And you know, one of the core pieces that I think came out of the brainstorming session was how big our world is and how big our sphere of influence is, right? But uh, what we looked at there, so on the Guatemala one, we looked all over the place and we considered sort of some First Nation communities, which are kind of in queue for, yeah. for future sort of giving back projects. But yeah. uh, when we looked around and we thought, okay, where can we actually make the biggest difference? You know, that's where the Guatemala one rose to the top. Ironically, there was another one that was second place at that point, And it was dealing with this uh, large garbage pile in Grenada. And just on Friday, we put in a submission for a proposal where there may be funding available to actually achieve that. So we, you know, that was one that we didn't do back in when we went to Guatemala, but we still may be able to achieve that objective anyway. Um, Things that came out of that conversation up next are, you know, about getting renewable energy, water, wastewater to across Canada. And, And there's some very real ways that we can sort of help achieve those things. But what I find is that we need to think bigger and need to, I look at our group of professionals and everything that happens, everything that you can touch, everything that's tangible, professionals like ours are involved with it. And so if we can approach it from a a challenge the world perspective, which is not accepting status quo and saying, how can we do this better, right? And do we have to accept what is now? Right. And if we can approach that, and to me, it's, I like the term proactively balanced, right? right. Because if we can, it's, it's easy to pave it all and it's easy to save it all. But the art of the game is to find something that considers all those values. And, and it's a more creative solution that that's balanced, right? That, that to me is the art that if we can get our professionals trying to find those solutions, you know, it can also improve our clients experience because they're right. getting better approval time. So I just, it's, that's the approach and the mindset we try and get our team to come at it from to, so that's kind of what both the Guatemala and the, the garbage, the NES pile. You guys, you guys don't tackle small things. 
<laughs> Think we're trying. Yeah. You know, and, I, and to be honest with you, our, our sphere of influence is, is, is okay right now, but I do see that as we get bigger, we get stronger. So does that. Yeah. Right. So we can do bigger and better things. Um, that garbage pile there, the NES garbage pile, that was a, a neat story because, um, well, it's not really a neat story. It's a bit of a unfortunate story, but, uh, you know, if, uh, Chief Adam Ennius, who's the hereditary chief of Penticton Indian Band, uh, he's got uh, a large chunk of land right off the uh, Penticton Airport, and a tenant of his, Appleton Waste, had accumulated garbage pile. They Their business model was, was sorting garbage and sending some to the landfill and some to Alberta, unraveled on them. And they ended up with mountains of trash accumulating and then went bankrupt, mm. right? It was an eyesore. Uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was really a shame. And so when the COVID funding came available from the government, we challenged our leadership team to look around and see, is there a project that can give back to our core values, right? And there were some other things we did. We cleaned some uh, streams and we did some other projects, but the one that ended up getting the most attention was we said, okay, that, that garbage pile, you know, it's a big eyesore. It's a big community issue. One of our core values is community, yeah. big environmental issue. And from a relationship side, all the players on there are people we have strong relationships right, with, right? right. Penticton Indian Band, Adaminius himself, uh, Regional District, City of Penticton, uh, Indigenous Service Canada, right? right? So, so it, was, it was quite, a, it, it touched on all of our values. So we said, okay, how do we use our group of professionals to make that problem go away? Interesting. And we were super close and we still have, we've achieved a lot on it. Uh, we had a, and, and everybody across the board came together in an excellent way. You know, folks like Indigenous Service Canada were absolutely excellent and, and really supportive, which mm -hmm. was great. Uh, and then we had uh, one individual from WorkSafe who, who seemed to uh, not be very supportive of it. And unfortunately, he found ways to delay it up until winter time. Mm -hmm. So we still got a lot of it done. So we got about the final steps we weren't able to do before the snow flew. And oh, then it okay. kind of got okay right before it was too late. So we still got some work to do, but uh, we haven't, haven't given up yet. That's awesome. Well, good for you guys. Um, I'm gonna switch focus a little bit. I have a couple more questions, but before we do, uh, we wanna to get to know you a little bit, sort of outside of sort of work and what your day-to-day -day looks like. So um, 10 questions I'm gonna run through, um, have some fun with it. So. First one is, what's the best way for you to start your day? What's the first thing you do when, for you to kick off your, your productive day? My first thing I do is I, I get up and I have one cup of coffee and I don't turn on my phone. I do nothing else. And I sit there for about 20 minutes. I used to have a hot tub. I just moved so I don't anymore. I used to sit in the hot tub and have it. <laughs> and I basically, with a clear mind, I just sit. And I find it generally to be where my most coherent thoughts come together. Your best thinking. Um, if, if you found out you had just won a lottery, millions, 20, 30, 50, whatever million, what would, be, what would be some of the things you want to accomplish or maybe even the first thing you would do? Could probably fund quicker expansion. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my day-to-day -day would look very similar. <laughs> yeah, 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 interesting. Um, 
if you found yourself at a karaoke night and you had to grab the mic and go and sing, what would be your song of choice? <laughs> I'm a very poor singer. <laughs> the only one I can recall actually doing that was mildly entertaining might have been Born to be Wild, but... There you go, Born to be Wild. Okay, I like that one. Um, as you've gone through your career, um, is there anyone that you really admire? So from afar, so it doesn't have to be someone you know personally or someone in your in in your personal life. Is there someone that comes to mind that you really admire or look up to? I would I would have to say uh, Robert Louis, who was the chief of West Bank for 25 years. Uh, but some of the things that not as many people know is just his sort of role in kind of a land advisory board where First Nations, 176 communities across Canada can now make their own laws or early days of First Nation taxation. And, you know, I, I always, he's actually a, a board member of ECORA. Okay. And one of my favorite things is nothing's not achievable, right? Mm -hmm. A very classy individual, uh, handles himself really well in all cases, you know, really diligent in what he does. He's also a lawyer, got an order of Canada, but, you know, really personable and, but never afraid of anything. So I just really admire that. And when I look at that challenge, the world piece, I, I, I love the stories he's got that, you know, yeah. a lot of people know and admire him, but I, you know, the depth of stuff he's done is incredible. That's excellent. Um, if you could eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? <laughs> Gotta be chicken. <laughs> chicken and mashed potatoes at Safeway is my go-to. <laughs> um, if, if you have a day off, what's the best way? What's your favorite way, sorry, for you to spend it? Um, well, if it's in the wintertime, I quite often end up up at Big White. Yeah. Um, if it's uh, not the wintertime, I quite often end up playing soccer of some sort. Yeah, some sports. Awesome. You're a soccer, you're a soccer fan? Yeah, yeah. I coach, play. Yeah, so... Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. I am too, actually. It's interesting. Um, who, who's your favorite soccer player, actually? Who's your, what's your team? Who's your favorite team? Well, I got to say Barcelona. Okay. Um, I had the privilege of taking a youth team to Barcelona, and it was an excellent experience. And so it's got to love Messi. <laughs> That's funny. I actually just, my I think, three or four sessions or sorry uh calls ago same barcelona came up and and they're they're my favorite team as well i saw messi play in seattle for a friendly years oh, ago awesome uh, but i've always wanted to get to barcelona so you want up me already so i need to get there so um <laughs> what famous person dead or alive would you love to meet just for a cup of coffee who would you want to sit down with and just have a cup of coffee i'd be caught between gretzky and obama <laughs> mm, interesting okay Interesting one. Have you ever met Grisky? You ever met? No. No. I just seen him from afar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, when we're able to travel, what was the most favorite place you've ever visited? Visited? I'd actually probably say Barcelona. Mm. How long yeah, were you there? Or uh, actually, I should probably say uh, Santorini, Greece, because that's where my wife and I got married. So okay. maybe, maybe I'll say that one. We'll edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, last one is outside of what you're doing right now. It sounds like, I mean, you obviously love what you do, but if you weren't doing what you were doing, what's another job you could see yourself doing? I would see myself sort of almost entrepreneurial support or generally just sort of business in general. I love the sort of part of the deal, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. 
Well, excellent. Well, thank you for playing along with me. So a couple more questions. Um, as of today, um, what is your what do you feel is your 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 either your biggest challenge? Like, what do you feel something that is sitting on your guys' desk right now? Like this this is the next 12 to 18 months, this is gonna be our biggest challenge. I'd say our biggest challenge right now is is the that culture piece in the COVID world. I mean, usually what we would do is have some really cool events and everybody works together. We've been very successful in remote working using teams and things right. like that. Right. But what's happened, which has never been part of our culture, is, sub is the disciplines are all very close because they speak daily. Right. But the interdisciplinary pieces is, is a priority that we, you know, and we've never had barriers and we need them all working together. Mm -hmm. And keeping that because that's one of the strongest aspects because lots of people have a long list of bullets and service offerings but most of them are massive firms and they don't work together right. so that's always been a competitive advantage for us and we have to make sure it stays so excellent what does the future have in store for you guys what's what's in the plans is there a vision for expansion other markets like is it what's you know what does the crystal ball hold for the next you know five years for you guys yeah, absolutely. So we do we do anticipate significant expansion, uh, both uh, like we expect a lot more people doing what we do right now and geographic expansion. And we are looking more towards sort of Western Canada and the world. Hmm. We sort of see a, a strong decade here in BC, but uh, mm -hmm. we do want to be used to doing business internationally when when things eventually soften, which is always part of the cycle. So we and we are much more intrigued by by the international market and so maybe an office in barcelona <laughs> australia is looking like the yeah. uh the next step and okay. uh grenade is looking real reasonably positive interesting well that's exciting so last question of i mean you you must have been involved in hundreds or thousands of projects right so if you think of all the touch points you've had which is kind of cool probably sitting back and you drive around and go, hey, we're, we're involved in that, we're involved in that. You can probably, you probably do, you could do a lot of that if you drove around, right? So is there one project that really stands out for you? Is there one that just like still sticks in your mind that you guys either delivered over and above or was difficult and you're able to figure out? Is there something that really stands out for you guys or is there too many to pick one? Um, one that is still ongoing, but a, a very cool story was uh, there's a, uh, a partner group we have called a Yellstack which means uh, leave it in good health. And it's a partnership with Chiam First Nation. And we started working with them and they had a landfill right in the middle of their community and the landfill had settled. And so they came to us and asked, you know, as, as a partner company and said, how do we fix this? And we were anticipating a fairly small fix. What ended up happening was when we sort of flew with the drone and started looking, it had entirely sunk and part of the landfill when it's closed it closed in 2001 it's supposed to have the water run off it into the retention ponds right and so the whole thing works except for if that decomposes and flattens then the water accumulates and none of it works so it's a massive environmental liability so at no cost to the community we designed a future cap and in order to actually create that cap we had to take off the clay top, accept material that was within reason for that engineering design of that landfill. So, and then put the cap back on. Hmm. And through doing that at no expense to the clients, um, we ended up giving back, I think over $3 million to the community 
and generating a ton of revenue. It was, it was, a, it was a really neat story. So that was, a, that was one that kind of stuck out because it was a, a neat way where we, where we had a, a really good environmental win and we had a good community win. Right. And we also had a good, uh, a good economic win. So those are the sort of balance pieces that you sort of think, uh, that's a, that was pretty cool. That's excellent. Well, thank you for joining me today, Kelly. I really, I really enjoyed our discussion and, and kudos to you and your team for, like I said, I think a lot of time culture is lip service and it's not for you guys. Like it's, it's such, it's such a core of your business and why you guys are so successful. And I heard a term this morning, I'm definitely not mine, so I'm not going to steal it, but they said about creating epic legacy that stuck with me. And I'm like, as you're talking, I'm like, wow, that's like, I heard it this morning and, and it's what you guys are doing, all these touch points, all the stuff you guys are in the community. You're, you are, you're creating legacy, which is, which is so important from an entrepreneur and what you guys do at a core at it. Right. So, um, so thank you for really enjoying our discussion and talking about your journey for sure. Thank you. for oh, Yeah. Thanks a lot, Rob. Thanks for having us on. It's been great. No problem. It was fun. And maybe we'll do it in over a, a game in Barcelona one day, but um, have, have, <laughs> Absolutely. have a great rest of your day. And uh, thank you for tuning into Business Matters. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Matters with host Rob Capello. If you're interested in being on the show, reach out to us and join the conversation.